Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is easily the most important part of our Christian faith. It is, it is the linchpin to our beliefs because if the resurrection of Jesus Christ isn't true, then everything else we believe is a house of cards, right? Because if the resurrection is, isn't true, then everything else can be debunked. So the resurrection has to be the pinnacle. The resurrection has to be the, the, the end all be all. That has to remain true. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Have you ever had something taken from you? Most of us have. Maybe someone decided to take our purse, a wallet, a phone, or something else of ours that did not belong to them. When this occurs, we generally want to get back what we lost as soon as possible. But what if the circumstances of life take something from us? When we go through an illness, a furlough, a divorce, a bankruptcy, it seems we often lose something in the process. But we don't always try to get back what was taken from us. Instead, our faith gives way to fear, hope gives way to despair, kindness gives way to anger, and assurance gives way to anxiety. When this happens, we need to declare the promises of God to regain what has been given to us through a faith in Jesus. In this sermon series, we will explore some of the good things that life's challenges can take from us, including our faith, our hope, our kindness, our assurances, but more importantly, how we can take those things back. Please enjoy the message. And so in Randy's mind, the way he explained the kingdom of God, it's like this city, right? And there's, and there's grids, there, there's crossroads. And he said, God's going to plant you at one of those crossroads. God's going to put you at an intersection. And you have to work at it for his glory. Now, this intersection may not be the sexiest intersection. It may not be the, crowd, the most crowded intersection. It may not be the cleanest intersection. But it's the intersection that God put you in. So work at it for his glory. So that's what I did. I handed it over to God and I just kind of let my guard down and I just told God, God, you need to take care of this because I'm sick and tired of trying to do it on my own. And after a couple months, I got promoted to assistant manager at Best Buy. So I was able to quit my other three jobs and I was able to be home at a decent time and spend time with my wife. And I was able to do these things. But after some time, I got, I got kind of fed up with that because I still wanted more. And that's when Christ in Youth, CIY, came knocking. Now, CIY is a nonprofit company that do events, trips, and resources all over the country. They see anywhere from 80 to 90,000 students in a calendar year at their events. It's an awesome company. And they came to look for me because I had a background in sales at Best Buy and also a background in ministry. Now, I didn't lift a finger for CIY to come looking for me. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying, look at our God work. Look at our God do his thing. Because I didn't do anything to receive that job. They came looking for me, and then through interviews and whatnot, I ended up there. And then ultimately, two years later, that's what brought me here, was having that job. So God had a plan. God figured it out as soon as I let go of this control. I went from having no hope of a career in ministry to at this moment entering ministry for the first time, and honestly, I can't see myself ever, ever leaving it. We need to release the death grip we have over the things that we want to control and give it over to God, because I don't know about you, but I trust him more than I trust myself. I trust God way more than I trust myself. I, I can't help, whenever I think of trust, I can't help but think of Peter. 
Peter was, you know, if, you, if you've read the Bible at least once, you know who Peter was and you know his struggles. And I believe one of them was very much control. And I just watched The Chosen. Has anybody watched The Chosen in here? It's a series, yeah? Okay, a couple of you guys. It's, it's awesome. I can't help but recommend it to people. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful series put together of Jesus' life. And it, and it looks at Jesus from, from a very human perspective because our God was human at the same time as he was God. And it, and it paints picture in this, and it paints Jesus in this human light, and it's great. And, I, and the scene where Peter finally realizes who Jesus is, and he's been fishing all night to pay off some taxes, and they catch nothing, and then Peter gets to shore, and Jesus tells him, hey, throw your nets over to the other side, and we know the story. The nets fill so much with fish that the ships are about to sink. But here's what the Bible has to say about it. Luke 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the boats, the one belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Peter spent all night trying to figure out on his own. All night at it with buddies and nobody caught a single thing. And I would imagine that he probably even doubted or even was annoyed with Jesus that Jesus would tell him to throw out his nets again. He's like, bro, I just finished scrubbing these. They smell like fish. I got to throw them back in. And so Peter, I can imagine, was very upset about having to do this, but he trusts Jesus and he hands it over. And as soon as he does that, he catches the fish. So my question to you is, what do you need to release control over? For you, is it a retirement account that you're unsure if it's big enough? Is it a family member that's hostile towards you or doesn't look at you and, you, and that relationship? Is it, for you parents, is it your kids or your teens that you helicopter over and obsess over because you want to make sure that nothing happens to them ever? Is it issues with your coworkers or an overbearing boss that is just getting on your nerves? We need to hand over the reins to God and just sit along for the ride because that's how we were meant to live. And that leads me to my second point, and that is we have to rest in God's promises. As Christians, it is so important that we rest in his promises because if you look back at any promise in scripture that God made, he fulfilled and one of my favorite ways I've seen this in my life is through the practice of tithing. Now, my mom raised me to be a tither. My whole life, you know, we, we always gave, and we didn't have a whole lot growing up. My mom worked really, really hard, but what we did have, mom always, always made sure that we tithe, and she instilled that in my heart. Somewhere along the line, when I became an adult, I forgot about that, and I stopped, and I stopped making it a priority in my life. And there were days where I didn't tithe, and there were days when I did tithe if I happened to have some cash on me, if it was convenient. Um, but it was never a practice that I stuck to for some reason or another. And at, at times, I worried more about, well, I kind of want to buy this video game, or I want to get this junk food with my college bod with my buddies, or I want this new, you know, phone, whatever. I, I put so many things in in front of tithing, and here's what 2 Corinthians says about tithing. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I was the complete opposite of a cheerful giver. I gave because I felt like I had to, 
I gave when it was convenient. I gave just because, you know, I, I just felt guilty or when it was available. But here's the promise from the book of Malachi about tithing. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. So what changed in my life? Well, like many of you, I married a godly woman that makes me better. And if you've ever met my wife, uh, she is very soft-spoken, she's very introverted, she's very sweet, um, she's very, you know, she's, she's cool with taking the background. There is one thing that Elkie ever put her foot down about, and that was tithing. It didn't matter how much I fought her, she was like, we tithe, sorry about you. If you don't like it, well, you're going to like it, because um, ultimately she handles the finances in our house. Um, and, and, and we did it, and it was a battle, and it was pulling teeth on my end, and because, because I wanted it, man. I wanted my money. It's my money. I worked for it. Why shouldn't I have it? What, what does God need money for? He, he's God. He can make things happen. He doesn't need money. And, I, and it was this internal struggle where, where I was selfish. And, and thankfully, she broke me and God broke me out of that. And we started tithing. And then that holiday season, I remember, was a particularly difficult holiday season. We were recently married. Holidays are expensive. You know, you got to buy gifts for people and you got to drive places and you got to get food and da, da 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 And then we have bills and we have rent to pay. And granted, our rent was only like $370 a month because it was a tiny one-bedroom apartment. But it was still a lot for college students. And so I was freaking out about all these things and just said, God, you're going to have to take care of this. A couple cool things happened. First, Elkie's grandpa just decided to give us each a $100 bill for Christmas instead of buying us gifts. So that was awesome. There's, there's a couple bucks right there. Then after that, um, I play fantasy football almost every year, and I almost never win. Um, but for some reason, this year was the first year I decided to put money on it and join a money league, and I won that year. And I won like $400, uh, you know, that came in January after the, after the holiday season. And that, you know, softened the blow quite a bit. And then after that, I got a phone call from a apartment complex that we had applied to go into a year and a half before, and they had found out that the reason nobody had received their deposits back was because the lady that was running it had embezzled all that money, and she had ran away with it, and so our money was gone. Well, they called me, and they were trying to make everything right, and they said, we can give you your money back, and I'm like, awesome, I could use that $120, and she's like, oh, great, you just need your receipt. My receipt from a year ago? I'm a guy. Come on, man. Like the moment they gave me that receipt, I was like, yeah, cool, thanks. And I moved on with my life. And I, so I have no idea what this receipt is. And I start racking my brain. And I remember, well, it was cold that day because it was in the winter. So I must have been wearing a jacket. 
So I go to my closet and I open up and I pull off my North Face jacket because it's the only jacket I ever wore. And I, and I throw it on, I'm digging around the pockets and ah man, there's nothing in there. So I go to hang the jacket back up and then it comes to me. There's a hidden pocket inside the jacket. And so let's just check. And I unzip and lo and behold, like not a day has passed, there's the receipt. And I take a picture of it and I send it to the company and they give us our money back. And it was a great blessing. God rewarded our faithfulness in his promise that he would take care of us. So God promises to bless us when we, keep, when we listen to his promises. But here is the thing. Let me do a sidebar real quick. Don't get it twisted. I am not up here preaching you the prosperity gospel. I am not up here lying to you, telling you that whenever you give, God's gonna give you exactly 10% or 100 times or whatever back in money because God doesn't always work that way. God doesn't promise us an easy life and finances. So don't think that I'm up here saying that if you give, you are gonna be blessed financially beyond measure and God's gonna put a Porsche on your driveway because he ain't or he might not. Um, but here's the thing, he does take care of his people. He may bless you financially, sure, he may bless you with relationships, he may bless you with health, but God is gonna take care of us when we rely in his promises. God promises hope, and that is what we find in Isaiah 40, it says this, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. What I'm saying is this, church, is that God has a perfect track record for keeping his word. Perfect. Never fails. Think back on a, a boss you had or maybe you played some sports in college or high school or a good coach. And whenever they promised you that they would make you better, that they would give you a promotion or whatever, if you worked hard and you worked hard and they deliver those promises, didn't it make it easier to trust in them? Didn't it make it easier to believe what they have to say? to hope in the fact that you're gonna get to that next level. Think of the people of Israel in the Old Testament and how they were told for years and years and years that they were gonna be a great nation while they're sitting under the rule of Egypt. And for years and years and years, they're promised that this is gonna happen and then God sends Moses. And God takes him out of, out of Egypt and then he parts the sea and then he protects them with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. Joshua 21, 45 says this, not one of all of Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. So why do we doubt when he has a, he's batting 10 for 10, man? He's killing it. The Lord has a perfect track record, so we have to lean on his promises because they give us hope that no matter how dark the night, joy comes in the morning, amen? amen. That's right. Which leads me to my third and final point and probably the most important point, and that is this. We have to remember the resurrection. We have to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death is so discouraging, and it hurts, and it can lead us into despair. Back in college, I had this friend, his name, his name was Brandon, and Brandon was uh, a servant at heart, and he was volunteering at a youth group that was like 45 minutes away, and so it's a Wednesday night, and Brandon's driving to youth group, and on the way to youth group, Brandon got in a car accident, and he died on impact, and I remember getting to the dorm from work, and I had like 30 missed calls on my phone from my roommate, my best friend Tyler, and he's calling me freaking out because all he knows is that somebody got in a car accident. When he looked out in the parking lot, he didn't see my car. So he thought it was me. And, and so I see him in the parking lot and I hug him and then he tells me what happened and then I walk up, we walk up onto our floor and I see 38, used to be 39, of my closest friends and my brothers all in tears 
sitting in the darkness because we don't know what to do. Because despair has officially set in. And the next couple days, the next couple hours were horrible. I didn't know how we could keep going to class. We had just lost a brother. I mean, shoot, he was 20 years old, maybe 21, and his life ended so quickly on his way to serve God, on his way to lead a youth group. But after some time, we healed. And after some time, God brought hope back into our lives. And we came to the realization, not the realization, but the remembering that, man, Brandon's better off than all of us are right now because, because he's up in heaven, man. He's up in heaven partying it up with Jesus and God and having a grand old time worshiping, man. And, and that hope brought us joy back into our lives. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is easily the most important part of our Christian faith. It is, it is the linchpin to our beliefs because if the resurrection of Jesus Christ isn't true, then everything else we believe is a house of cards, right? Because if the resurrection is, isn't true, then everything else can be debunked. So the resurrection has to be the pinnacle. The resurrection has to be the, the, the end all be all. That has to remain true. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. And this makes me think that easily the most hopeless and despairing time in the history of the world had to be those three days. Put yourselves in the, in the shoes or the sandals of the disciples for just a second. You, you spend years waiting for a savior that's supposed to come and you think it's gonna be this big bang type of thing when he shows up, but he doesn't. He shows up humbly like a baby in a stinky barn. And then he, he grows up and for these years he's growing and he's maturing and he's becoming a man and you still have no idea that he exists because he hasn't made himself known. Then finally he shows up and he proves that he is Jesus. Look at the scriptures. In, in Luke 17, he heals the sick. In Mark 2, he heals the paralyzed. Matthew 14, multiplies the fish. John 2, turns water to wine. Matthew 14, walks on water. Mark 4, calms a storm. Luke 8, he casts out demons. And the point of all this wasn't to prove his power and it wasn't to show off, but it was because Jesus wanted to validate the message that he brought of love and reconciliation, which was the gospel. That is why Jesus came to earth. So imagine the excitement of the disciples, right? Imagine the excitement of the followers because this whole time they're freaking out about Rome. Rome is just suppressing them. Rome is murdering them. Rome is destroying them. And they're, they're thinking to themselves, here he is. He was the one, he's the one that's to come. 
He's going to tear down the establishment. He's going to get rid of the Romans. We're going to be free. It's going to be awesome. Life is great. Yay. But then comes that night in the garden where you see your teacher, your rabbi, your savior, your friend get taken into custody by armed men. And then not only that, but you also see him beaten and whipped within an inch of his life. And then after that, he is tried for a, for a crime that he didn't even commit. And then they, they force him to take this, this cross, this torture instrument, up a mountain, up a hill, to where he, ultimately he's going to be nailed to it. And then you sit there and you watch him die. And I can't help but feel bad about the disciples because they didn't know what was happening. Because we know the story, we know how it ends, and that's okay, but the disciples didn't. They just sat there, and I can't help but imagine if they didn't doubt. I can't help but imagine that they, that they had fear in their hearts, and they thought that maybe at some point they went wrong. And then also, I can't help but think about the Pharisees and the Roman soldiers that thought they won. That at some point that evening, they walked through the graveyard, and they saw the stone in front of Jesus' grave, and they probably smiled, and they probably laughed, because they thought they had won. They thought that my Jesus was in that grave dead. And they thought that light had been snuffed out from the earth and that darkness was now here to, here to stay. But hope came the morning of the third day, amen? 1 Corinthians 15, 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Now, I don't say this to diminish your problems. Please hear me. I'm not using this as a way to beat you over the head and tell you that the, the issues in your life are not real. That's not it at all. I'm hoping that through remembering this, this will be an encouragement to you. Because if the church all those years ago could get through these miserable three days, and then thrive after that and explode with growth, then I think we can, we can use this to help us snap out of this despair cycle and step into hope. I love the way that uh, Pope John Paul II puts it. This is an awesome quote. I'm gonna get it tattooed on, I don't know. But he says this, do not abandon yourself to despair. We are the Easter people. And hallelujah is our song. Man, we are the Easter people. We are not the people that, that live in despair. We are not the people that live in sorrow. We are the people that live in the resurrection, amen? You were not made to live in despair. I promise you that. You weren't made to be in there. You, were, you, were, you weren't meant to not know what, what, who to rely on. We were meant to be in a community with our Father and to rely on him for security and everything that he gives us. Now, finances, relationships, and other earthly things may bring you hope. I think, they can, I think they can. But I promise you one thing, man. Those things are temporary. Because in a blink of an eye, those can be taken away from you. The moment you walk out this door, your stock, your stock portfolio could take a hit. The moment you walk out this door, relationships that you're relying on could break up into pieces and you don't have that anymore. I promise you all those things will fail. But everlasting hope Hope that never fails, hope that's around forever, comes from God. Let me leave you with this psalm. Psalm 121 says this, a song of ascent, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. 
where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Let me pray for us. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this peop- the people that are here, Lord, and um, just the fact that they came ready to listen to what you have for them, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we are not a hopeless people, but we are a people that rely on you, Lord, that we are a people that have the hope of eternal life with you because of Jesus and his sacrifice. Father, in a world that seems so hopeless, where things that we can't control happen all the time, would you allow us to let go of those and to lean in on the thing that we can control, which is our relationship with you. May you bring us closer through our hopelessness and our despair. Father, just bless us as we walk out of here and continuously draw us closer to you. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice and the message of the gospel. And I pray that every day of our lives, Father, you remind us of who we are and whose we are. In Jesus' name I pray. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.